Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on scripture. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to a special short series of podcasts focused on the known Episcopal candidates for the South Central Jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. The people you will hear in these interviews have offered themselves up for the role of bishop. The elections will take place the first week of November in Houston, Texas, with a consecration service planned for November 5th. Each of these interviews was conducted via Zoom video conferencing during the month of October, and all seven episodes have been released at once, so you can hear all of them in short order. A couple of quick caveats before playing the recording of our conversation. First, the delegates have spent considerable time with each of the candidates at this point, so these interviews weren't really conducted for the people who will be electing bishops. The interviews were done with the idea that laity and clergy could learn just a little bit more about each of the people who have offered themselves up for the episcopacy. Second, I asked all the candidates the same questions. I didn't interject much and just let them talk. I did insert a question about where they saw hope for the denomination if they did not address that in an earlier question. So you'll notice me asking that question of some people and not of others. It simply had to do with the way they answered previous questions. Finally, as I record this intro, regular listeners will note that I have a bad cold, so I apologize for the squeaky and or gravelly voice. It was even worse during some of the interviews, so again, I apologize for the strange voice on my behalf. I think that's it. So without further delay, here's one of my seven interviews with Episcopal candidates for the South Central Jurisdiction. I'm joined now by Reverend Dee Williamston. She is the Director of Clergy Excellence and the Assistant to the Bishop in the Great Plains Conference. Full disclosure, Dee's office is two doors down from mine. So Dee, welcome to Layman's Terms, and uh, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Let's let's get some people some background information. So, what are the key points of your of your bio that you want to share with folks? Yes. Well, first, I want to start with God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. That is the most important information about me. However, I am a second career pastor and served 22 years in the Kansas Army National Guard. I retired in 2004 as a sergeant first class in the role of chief supervisor of finance and accounting for the United States Property and Fiscal Office here in Topeka, Kansas. It is important to know because my experiences as an Army National Guard soldier trained me to be quick, nimble, adaptive, reflective, and agile in a system that was constantly changing. So as a soldier, I had to embody the motto of be, know, and do because soldiers have to be who we say we are as soldiers equipped and ready, know what we are doing. That is continuous learning, training, and evaluation to do and to move the mission forward by doing what we were trained to do. 
Yet the most beautiful thing about my biographical information, Todd, is I am a daughter, a mother of a brilliant creative son, Jerome, and a granny of seven joyfully energetic grandchildren who live in Tuma, Wisconsin. All right, thanks for that information. Let's uh, get into your call story here now. Give us, a, give us a little synopsis of how you came into being a pastor. Okay. Uh, my call story, Todd, is not just one story, but a series of events. Yet in 1996, I had an intense desire to learn about the Bible and the people and the lands that the Bible described. Well, one evening, I didn't know where to start reading in my Bible, so I did what someone told me. They said, D, just drop your Bible on the floor, and wherever it pops open, read it. So I did it, and it popped open to Psalms 32, verse 8, which jumped off the page, and it read, I will lead you and guide you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. After reading that, I remember seeing the light in my front room flicker from my bedroom like the light bulb was going out. So I got up and I checked to see what was going on in there, but everything was fine when I entered the room. But it happened two more times, Todd. And on the third time, I finally kind of got it and remembered Samuel's story and how God had called Samuel. And I realized that evening God was trying to tell me something. God was calling me. So at my next National Guard weekend, I started a Bible study for the soldiers on Sundays because we could not make it to church. The Bible study grew and continued until the time of my retirement in 2004. And so the saga of my call continues to this very day with God's guidance and counsel and loving eye watching over me. So that's a little bit of my call story. Talked about, uh, talked about your call. So let's talk about this one, offering yourself up for the Episcopacy. Why are you willing to be considered for such an important role at this time in the history of the church? Todd, I'm willing to be considered for the Episcopacy because I believe God is calling me to offer myself as a unique witness of God's saving grace and that God can use my unique life experiences to help the church witness making disciples for Jesus Christ through the experiences and my testimony. Ever since my call to pastoral ministry in the United Methodist Church in 2002, God has given me various opportunities to use my gifts and leadership as a pastor, a community leader, a district superintendent from 2014 to 2021, and since July 2021 as the assistant to the Bishop of the Great Plains Conference and Director of Clergy Excellence. Humbly, I continue to receive affirmation and encouragement from family and friends and coworkers, the annual conference, the delegation and colleagues who have witnessed and experienced my leadership in the conference, church, and community. I'm willing to offer myself because I believe the United Methodist Church on the horizon will need a resilient leader or, or resilient leaders who can persevere as the church marches forward. And as I read in Isaiah, God says it best, behold or see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am willing to offer myself to step up a step forward because there is hope and streams of life and streams of giving water in the desert. And I am willing with all gumption to step forward courageously to lead the church into a diverse, multicultural, multifaceted mission field. I humbly believe God continues to equip me with the capacity, the grit and gumption for this journey. 
I have demonstrated in ministry the willingness, humility, resilience, perseverance, continuous learning, and the ability to lead, create, discern, inspire, encourage, and champion the mission of the church forward with hope, faith, and passion. You mentioned leadership there, so I want to delve into that for just a little bit. Uh, with everything that's going on with the church right now, with disaffiliations and human sexuality concerns, how would you lead the United Methodist Church if you were elected to be a bishop? Thank you for the question. I would lead by acknowledging there is hurt, pain, and various emotions among us by first listening, learning, and keeping in mind the various opinions and emotions around disaffiliation and the concerns that have brought the church this far. And yet the mission field and the purpose of the church is why we exist, and it is still before us. Second, I'd engage, uh, encourage us to hold a respectful space for lament and truth-telling of our hurt and our pain by telling the truth in love, yet not to harm or blame or shame anyone. The third part is how can we together come together in communion together, rather, or, or what does that look like? Or can we worship together to move forward knowing that Christ is with us all and in the boat with us all? And then I'd wonder what strategy can we use so we as a conference or connection can be in the mission field together? And finally, I would lead with faith by inspiring hope because we must have faith and hope that God has a plan even in the midst of a storm we, we must remember Jesus is in it with us. We know that uh, human sexuality has dominated the discussions uh, for whatever reason the last few years, especially. But what other issues do you see as most important and critical to the future of the United Methodist Church? Mm -hmm. A critical reality to face is still COVID-19, which has changed how we move forward doing church in today's world. COVID has changed the landscape, not only of the church, but the global world. It has affected how we meet as a connection broadly and locally, and the continued longstanding issue of race and racism, which is the trauma that always is with us in the church from 1784 to the present day. As systemic and institutional racism continues to wreak havoc on the nation, the church, the community, and the world. You know, it's gonna take a lot of intentionality from all of us to dismantle racism, colonialism, genderism, ageism, and all the isms and inequalities and inequities. It will take us all growing in our own cultural competencies, personally and institutionally as a church, conference, connection, community, and beyond. And yet I have hope and I believe that the United Methodist Church is poised at this critical juncture in time to have the courage of its convictions and really move toward being the beloved community. It will not be easy, but there is hope. So if I am elected to serve as a bishop in the United Methodist Church, I would lead with hope as we together address the critical issues before us. And there are many others. Remembering though, that hope resides in the dark, yet we must keep on watching and waiting and marching forward as we share in one common Lord, faith and baptism and God of all. We're in this together. You mentioned all of those isms and all those isms show that we have a fractured society. Uh, and unfortunately the church reflects that fractured society. So 
If you're elected bishop, what would you do to help unify the people remaining in the United Methodist Church? And how have you fostered unity and mission in either your current appointment or in previous stops along your ministry journey? As a bishop, what I would do uh, to help unify people remaining in the United Methodist Church, first, I, I believe, again, we need to acknowledge the emotions, the feeling of disappointment, the pain, and, and to also hold intention that we are still brothers and sisters, and the purpose of the church is still before us to make disciples, uh, and that's starting with ourselves. I would lead by listening, listening, and listening to learn from the context uh, and the people uh, wherever I'm placed if I'm elected. I would be mindful that we are charting new territory in the afters of disaffiliation, so we must learn together as we go. As a bishop, I would lead by bringing diverse people together, laity and clergy voices, diverse voices, contextually and conference-wide to plan a process of conversation in a maybe in the model of a worship uh, type of uh, process to help develop thoughtful worshipful liturgies and a platform for storytelling and video shorts to inspire the conference and the connection in our mission because i believe this is another opportunity for us to truly be the church so if i'm elected as bishop hope will be my guiding principle because i believe that god has a plan and a place for all of us, for those who remain and those who may not decide to. How have I, have, how have I fostered unity in, in previous places and appointments? Well, in 2020, after George Floyd was murdered, as the Salina and Hutchison District Superintendent, I fostered unity in the whole community of Salina, Kansas by leading with the NAACP or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and uniting the community of citizens in a vigil planned within 48 hours with over 200 people who participated. This led to involvement with the Equal Justice Initiative, a Brian Stevenson's organization. I led as the coalition chair in the Equal Justice uh, uh, Initiative uh, Community Remembers Project for a young man named Dana Adams uh, to tell his narrative and that he was lynched in, in 1893 in Salina, Kansas. I have fostered unity as the Director of Clergy Excellence, uh, bringing to our team unity in our mission to help our clergy and the church leaders of tomorrow flourish in spirit, body, and soul. And I recall in 2014, I began fostering unity and bringing the conference into more awareness about the challenges presented to those serving in cross-racial and cross-cultural appointments. And I brought together clergy of various ethnic backgrounds together starting in 2014 as our numbers have steadily grown. This has led to more gatherings and trainings and retreats and other resources led from the clergy excellence team more than we've had than ever before in the Great Plains Conference. And so we are really bringing people together and bringing them together in unity across the board, cross culture, cross ethnic uh, backgrounds. You mentioned hope several times uh, during this discussion. So share with us, where do you see hope uh, in the future of the United Methodist Church? I see hope as we begin to really dial into how we are doing church uh, online, online worship services. I see 
see those services reaching people beyond uh, the boundaries of our towns and communities. I see hope of uh, diverse uh, people or uh, ethnic minorities stepping up in leadership in the church, in our conferences, in our connection, serving and offering their gifts uh, to help the church move forward. I see hope how we are looking to the church of 2050 uh, so that my grandchildren too can have a place to be. My grandchildren are in a cross cross-cultural, have cross-cultural uh, parents, and I have hope that the church will have a place for them, that they will have a seat at the table, and that all children will have a seat at the table. I see hope in uh, the leadership of the church, that the leadership of the connection will be just as diverse as the communities that we live in. I see hope when I walk into a church, and I see the children sitting in the front of the church uh, hearing a Bible lesson to the children who are logged in online with their parents. I see hope wherever I go. I see hope that we are really trying our best to be in the mission field, to hear uh, the witness of other people, to as we seek justice for those who stand with their backs against the wall, as we challenge uh, institutions in our communities from payday loans to, to poor housing, to food deserts, to climate justice. I see hope in the United Methodist Church in that we have a gift to offer the community, the nation, and the world. So I see hope everywhere I go. Another place we see hope, obviously, is in Scripture. So I'm going to close with that. So yes. tell, tell us what your favorite Bible verse is and why that verse resonates with you. Well, Todd, I have way too many favorite scriptures. <laughs> However, I can give you one. Psalms 27, verses, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Why the scripture? Because in the fifth grade in 1975, I learned that the meaning of my name, Dolores, in Spanish meant Lady of Sorrow. And it is attributed to the Viva de la Rosa or the way of sorrow, meaning the road that Jesus Christ carried his cross on. Well, yeah, that is cool, right? But I didn't understand that information at 10 years old. So all the kids in my class made fun of my name, as kids will do. And so my 10-year-old little soul was hurt. And I thought, Dolores, really? Lady of Sorrow? Are you kidding? Why that name? Well, decades later in 1996 at the Christian bookstore in Topeka, Kansas, I found a name card with my name on it. It was spelled a bit differently, but it was my name, uh, Dolores. On the card, it had Psalms 27 verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? From that day forward, I committed that scripture to memory. And of course, I bought the card and I still have it. That one verse, though, transformed my understanding of my name, Dolores. And it continues to give me joy and hope and gumption and faith to endure whatever road is before me in this process toward episcopacy, if it is God's will. I truly know the Lord is my light, my life and my salvation forevermore. Amen. Amen. 
And amen. Thank you very much, Dee, for joining us on In Layman's Terms. And thank you so much for offering yourself up for this important role in the church at this time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. been listening to one of seven brief interviews with Episcopal candidates in the South Central jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. I hope these talks give you some insight into the people who will serve as bishops, if elected, at the South Central Jurisdictional Conference the first week of November. And if one of these people turns out to be your new bishop, now you will have at least a little insight into their call stories and a little more information about how they intend to lead your annual conference. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.